Hello, world. Hey. Hi. 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 Hello. Hello. Hi. It's like I've forgotten how to say hello. <laughs> Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Life with Kaka. I'm your host and fellow producer, as always, Carolina Gropa. Hey, if it's your first time checking out the show, welcome. This is a place where I have candid conversations with producers from all corners of the entertainment industry. My goal with the show really is to talk about the messy parts of life as it pertains to producing. So however you found the show, welcome. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts if you don't already. And if you're a regular listener of the show, welcome back. I'm so glad you're here tuning in week after week doing this life thing with me. It's so awesome. Sometimes I record these interviews months in advance because the people I have on the show are extremely busy, so I kind of get them when I can get them. Case in point, Corey's interview was recorded in August, hence the very tan photo that you'll see of me with her for this week's cover art. As I grow the show, as you grow with me, I'd love to hear what you think. Sometimes it does feel like I'm speaking into a void. And so if you're listening, if you're enjoying the show, if there's something you want more of, less of, like hit me up. Let me know. I really would love to make this a dialogue with you guys because at the end of the day, that's what I'm here for. What's working? What do you want more of, less of? What's inspiring you? What's motivating you? How can I be a better conduit for these conversations? Hit me up. Let me know. And let's get on with this week's episode. Oh, I'm so excited about this guest. Corey Bennett Lewis is the head of production at Bad Robot, J.J. Abrams' production company. We actually met at a general about two years ago, and I was really taken with her. She's got this very soft, quiet demeanor, which isn't a standard sort of personality trait of someone who has come up on the physical producer side of things. So whenever I meet someone who is wired very calmly, I'm always curious and I want to know what is your secret? (laughs) And so I was so grateful that Corey agreed to sit down and talk with me and let me poke around a little bit more and record it and share it with you guys. So this week, Corey dives deep into the transition from being a freelancer to going in-house at Bad Robot. She talks about meeting JJ for the first time and the two films she made there that had the biggest impact on her life. We also discuss what Force Awakens taught her about her marriage, what being a woman in the sci-fi space is like, and the importance of tact. So get ready, grab your coffee, grab your tea. If you're driving, please be safe. Let's hear from Corey. So we're here with you and what will eventually become my uh, podcast studio yeah. here at the, what is it called? The Sugar? The Sugar Shack. The Sugar Shack at yeah. Bad Robot. <laughs> it's very, very nice. Um, so you and I have actually known each other like, I don't know, like for a year now? A little more than a year. Probably a little more than a year. Yeah. We grabbed coffee. Yeah. It was like March, April of last year. Yeah. Miss Virginia. Yep. It was a random, random person reached out. And I said, sure. Who was a random person? You were. I was? Yeah. We met in a, in a general. And then you reached out separately and were like, hey, it was a good general. Can we get coffee? And I yeah, was like, okay. I did. I did. But because Matt Ferrante was like, yes. you should know the ladies over at Bad Robot. Yes. That's so, right. That's not a right. total rando. I didn't like stop. But you. it was like, <laughs> you kind of were like, hey, you want to get coffee? And I was like, uh, okay. What? How do you feel about that? Like people who are, are very, um, I don't want to say aggressive, but sort of mm-hmm. have that follow through and they want to take things to the next level. You have to be very tactful about yeah. it. So t- tell me a little bit about you your have experience. To, I, yeah. 
That's a good question. I think um, I think I appreciate people that you know put in a little hustle. Mm. Um, but I think you're right. There's like a, there's a way to approach people, and I think there was something about you that was very calming mm. and just interesting. It didn't feel like maybe you were trying to get a job. It was like, hey, I'm just trying to get to know people. Yeah, and I think. I appreciate that, just sitting down and having conversation where you're not like, what is this person really trying to get? Yeah. So. I mean, if someone is more clear with their intention, even if it is like, I'm just trying to get a job, mm-hmm. does you feel better knowing the intention? Or are you still like, ugh, okay? Uh, probably depends. You know, if I'm if I'm looking to hire, then yeah. Yeah. Be, be straightforward with me. Um, right. But I also think it's important to just be meeting as many people as you can and hearing people's story because that's what we're in the business to do is yeah. tell a story. Well, I heard your story and I remembered your story at that coffee <laughs> date. I'm going to try to remember the story. And now I, I want you to remember verbatim every yeah. single thing you said to share right. with our listeners. Um, no, I remember really feeling similarly about you and that, you know, you work at a very fancy company and it's mm-hmm. a very visible company with what you know JJ has created and that even from when I came for the general just the sense of like which sounds silly to say but like oh it's just a bunch of like normal people and like Mm -hmm. good humans behind the scenes that we never see just like showing up and doing their best and yeah putting their best foot forward and I know that sounds silly but every time I get a like a nod from the universe that like hey this is an industry with a lot of good people and some really shitty ones that sometimes get the press I like really respond to that I really you know gravitate towards those people because I like you said, I want to know those people. I want to know their stories. Mm-hmm. I want to see what I can learn and and what what mistakes I can sort of also learn from through osmosis. You right, know, right. I think it's important, mm-hmm. especially with production and producing. I think there's not a lot of um, mentorship and yeah. community to talk about a lot of the stuff that we sometimes go through. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do feel like I'm a very nice person. You are and normal. So how did I start? Is that what you want yeah, to get into? Like you could tell us, tell us your story. Yeah. How did you get here to this couch and this couch, man? So, you know, I started out freelancing. I started out as a set PA. Where are uh, you from? Oh, I'm from Ventura, California. Okay. okay. About an hour North true Southern California girl. You know, I was out of college looking to figure out what I wanted to do as my career. I don't think I necessarily was, thinking I'm going to go to Hollywood, Mm -hmm. Um, but had done this internship on an independent feature on the East Coast. I met a lot of great people and it was, you know, I was a set PA and it was, I loved the, we're doing something different every day and we're outside and we're moving and shaking. It's, you know, it was, it was cool. It was like a, nothing I had really done as a job before or knew that was even a job. So that was kind of my first introduction into like production. Yeah. Um, deep end. The deep, like the deep end. <laughs> and a lot of the friends that I had made on that show were, because it was East Coast, we were in Connecticut. They were going back to New York. They were all New York based. You know, as it happens in the industry, like if you work hard, like you will get another job because people will bring you along. Mm-hmm. And I remember 
they were all heading back saying, move to New York. We will get you. We will put you on something immediately. You will go right to work. And I remember being at this moment of like, if I do this, I know I'm not going to go back to college and I won't graduate. How old were you at that point? I was probably 20. Mm -hmm. So I was close to graduating. I remember going, okay, what am I, am I moving to New York right now? Or am I going to go back to school and finish my final semester? At that point, I remember thinking, if I don't graduate from college, my mom could possibly murder me. (laughs) And, you know, so I evaluated what was important to me. (laughs) So I, I told them, I said, I, I have to go finish school. So I'm going to go back and graduate. But I will reach out to every single one of you when I finish because I want to pursue this. This is this is rad and I know that I can do it well. Yeah. When I graduated, some of the people that I had worked with had come to the West Coast to work on Mission Impossible 3. I started reaching out and they were like instantly connecting me with people and I just started set PAing and somebody said you would work really well with an AD by the name of Tommy Harper and I was like okay who's Tommy Harper (laughs) I remember finishing that job and he called me I wasn't expecting his call and I remember he called me and was started interviewing me over the phone and I was like who is this guy like (laughs) like I had no idea I was having an interview but basically he was setting up a movie and said, do you want to come uh, work with me? And I was like, "Uh, okay. So I drove down the next day and had like a proper interview with him. And he hired me on the spot. To do what? So he was going to be the first AD and I was going to be a set PA. But how he operates is, you know, he gives all of his staff a lot to manage and oversee. So I was going to, you know, be in prep with him and work on the schedule and, um, probably manage the cast and then as we got into shooting i'd eventually probably do call sheets and production reports with them etc it was this whole grand plan that he pitched to me and i was like great i'm in and so we worked i think four days together and then the movie got shut down oh man (laughs) which happens um and so i was like hey it was nice meeting you like hope we can work together again and off i went he was freelancing doing you know different commercials and we did some reshoots on like different projects so i was kind of day playing and at the time i was bartending because i wasn't working <laughs> as consistently enough mm-hmm. to really like pay the bills well and that pa pa that money PA, is pa money it's rough was, <laughs> it's rough so yeah you go bartend two nights and you make what you make paing but that's <laughs> that's the name of the game um and then it was when he got the first Star Trek, which the 2009, and that was my first like full length feature with him. But also like I wasn't day play, like I was on the team and we worked, you know, in LA for maybe six months. Wow. And then what was unique about that situation was he was an AD and then was going to jump over and production manage second unit. And had said, you know, if you want, like, I've never done this before. I'll need someone helping me. Do you want to come help me run second unit? And I was like, okay. (laughs) And I think probably at the time before that offer, I was thinking, you know, I'll 
I'll do this at PA, I'll get my days, I'll get into the DGA, I'll be an AD. And that seemed like a path. And it wasn't until he kind of made that offer of, do you want to help production manage and help me like do the budgets and schedule? And it was just a different perspective of filmmaking that I didn't know and really so new that I was like, okay, yeah, let me, I'll go with you. And that was the start. We worked together straight, like movie to movie to movie. Man, I had to have been like eight or nine years. And he, what was special about it is he learned because he was learning, I was learning with him. So as he made jumps on next projects, I got to make jumps with him. And ultimately he was, you know, our last freelancing project was uh, Force Awakens and he was line producing and I was supervising. And that put us in London. I was in London for, I think it was two years. And I remember coming, coming back to LA rapping. And then that's when the conversations about coming in house here about robot started. And I think shortly after we both came in house and then he left. And then he was, no. and then he left. He left the house. Um, you know, he worked here for two years and then ultimately went back freelance. And then that was when, you know, JJ and Katie gave me the opportunity to oversee production, which was a huge opportunity for me. And I took it and it's been great ever since. <laughs> and so that was what, how many years ago now? So you're head of production. Head of production. And tell us a little bit about what that means globally, but specifically to your day-to-day. It's evolving here at Bad Robot. I think, you know, when Tommy and I came in-house, we were definitely, you know, they hadn't had a production presence, maybe with the experience that we had. Really, I think my day-to-day now with the production experience that I have is, you know, obviously we have film and television and our team there is like, you know, doing the creative and the writers and the directors and the story. And I have, you know, joined the team in evaluating what they're doing from a very much a below the line production evaluation, looking at the, how are we going to do this? Who's going to help us do this? Where are we going to do this? How much is it going to cost? Interfacing with, you know, our studio partners, um, getting our shows off the ground and you know, to the races. You know, it's taken probably, you know, I've been a bad robot, I think four and a half years now, and it's taken that time to like rhythm with the team. And like, I think they see the value that I bring. And, you know, we're very much like a close unit. Like we're not segmented where they call downstairs and say, okay, we have a, a script ready to go shoot, like, and then never talk again. Like we're very much a team together and interacting together and we're talking every second and we have and you know head of business affairs now and like our team's growing and we're becoming this cool unit that you know uh, from a producer standpoint are watching and overseeing our projects from the very very beginning to the very very end Mm -hmm. and i think that is makes us unique and different maybe from other companies and you know it's it's a cool process and i think the more we do it together and the more interaction we have, we start to realize like this, this is how it should be done. Yeah. 
from the moment you started, it seems like you were always working on pretty visible properties, right? Like you Mm -hmm. were on these big movies, big studio movies, massive budgets. Yeah. And then now you're in-house still pretty much working in a similar space with Mm -hmm. Star Wars and Star Trek and all of that. But how did the job itself differ for you when you went from just being freelance in the sure. supervising all of that and now being on the other side of that mm-hmm. where you're overseeing essentially who you used to be. Yeah. Right? Like how does that shift it for you? It definitely like it took it took a minute to like you have to kind of trick your brain because you're so used to when you're freelance, you're on one project and you're living and breathing the details of that project, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you come in house and then all of a sudden you have six shows, two features, like Big features, big, big shows. Big projects, yeah. yeah. It's it's not possible to live and breathe the details when I was freelance, when I'm in-house. So, mm-hmm. you know, it becomes, you know, key hires. Like, you know, I rely heavily on my line producer. Just like I put a lot of trust in them and I talk to them all the time, but I'm not going to micromanage them. It's mm-hmm. not my place to tell them how to do their job, but like it is a conversation and it's like I have to trust that they know what they're doing yeah um so it's not micromanaging Mm -hmm. um and same when we bring on our post supervisors or our post producers it's you know it's putting the team in place that is going to be on the ground running the show for you yeah and then you're doing that in all your different areas of where you have your shows yeah so how would you define then a capital p producer that's the first question, I guess. And then where the similarities or differences are from then now being ahead of production. Because oftentimes, and, and this question is coming from a place of, you know, when you have a production company on a project and you look at the credits at the end of a movie mm-hmm. or a show, it's like everybody at that production company pretty much is getting some type of producer or EP sure. credit. So for the listeners, and part of this like education of how it all is intertwined behind the scenes. How would you define those roles differently? The, the sort of pre- producer, capital mm-hmm. producer, and then what you are now. Yeah. The interesting question. I think, you know, obviously there's the very like specific, mm-hmm. you know, line producer, right. And they're, you know, they're that person that is living and breathing in building the budget, the schedule, like that's that's pretty defined. I think when you come in house at a company like this and you say, okay, where's my impact as a producer? I think where I feel like I add the most value is making sure the right people are talking. Like producing is ultimately communication, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not here to to do the details of what you know all these super talented people are doing but i'm here to make sure that all the right people come to the table to deliver what we need to deliver Mm -hmm. that's where i feel like the the biggest probably impact that i try and have is is without it sounding cliche but like setting the best table possible and all the right people from crew to cast to to you know, all the different entities that need to be involved yeah. are there communicating on how we're going to achieve. So then where do you think that 
so many projects have the best of intentions and then you think you have the right people at the table mm -hmm. but then it gets derailed like that's this is such a big question it's yeah. not specific to anything but i'm just generally curious if you have a, a theory perhaps on like what it is about these projects that are highly visible and have all the elements on paper to be successful and mm -hmm. then they're not is there a way when you look back on those projects to be like oh here's this is the point where yeah things went wrong <laughs> you know That is a big question. Um, <laughs> Take your time. Yeah. <laughs> I think here's what I, what I would advise people to do. I think it's important in, um, in life to reflect and look back and say, did I do the, the best that I could? Or was that, you know, what can I learn from that experience? So I don't know if I could, you know, pinpoint and be like, here's exactly where we went wrong because who, who knows? Like, yeah. you're like, you're making a decision and when you're producing, sometimes you're making a decision on the fly and is it always the right decision? You know, probably not. But I think as producers, sometimes you have to, in order to keep things moving and at the pace that we operate, sometimes not having an answer or making a decision can really slow it down. Mm. So, You know, I'm a big believer in, you know, when you wrap a show or a show comes out and you just kind of reflect on, you know, did that work the best way that it could have? I think it's also what's great about this industry. And I think it's why people are drawn to it is like every project that we do is always different. At least that's what I, I love about it. And I yeah. think if every project was the same, I'd probably get bored pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, You know, and it's problem solving and it's it's figuring out how to do things that probably a lot of people haven't done before. And that's, I think, what is really great about what we do is problem solve and try and just figure it out. Yeah. Could Is it always right? Sure, sometimes. But. You know, I think you take what you've learned from your past project and you try and implement it into your next project. Right. But you don't want to get bogged down on, you know, the mistakes of the past. You right. You have to keep going forward. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important to just take into consideration that, you know, we're, you can only do the best with what you have at that moment in time. Right. And six months later is a different moment in time. Mm -hmm. You know, it's yeah. like the hindsight is always going to be stronger than in the moment. So exactly. it's like, to your point, as someone who does work for this moment mm -hmm. on the other side, where I do come in as a line producer, it's like to empower someone to have mm -hmm. the sort of autonomy to mm -hmm. make those decisions and trust that you're hiring the people with the right instincts right. that are going to problem solve the way that you probably would too, exactly. or some other brilliant way that you never would think of, you mm -hmm. know, but that you're bringing the best people to the table, like you were saying, to solve the problems that you don't have the time to think about. Right. Because you're like on the macro mm -hmm. and you're paying them to be thinking about the micro. The micro. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I did want to ask you, just out of curiosity, you know, when you remember your first time meeting JJ before you came in-house? Do I remember? I mean, it would have been um, Star Trek uh, 2009. And I'm pretty sure it was, you know, in prep, you know, I was 
it was either in the production office and it was probably just a hello nice to meet you you know and a, you know he's very gracious that way and mm. you know will make take time to introduce and say hello to everybody so it was either there or um on set when we were doing camera set tests yeah um probably the same atmosphere just <laughs> hello hi nice to meet you yeah in the way that we all do i mean he's he and all of our crew are you know a great crew i mean you know super polite you know i think that's one thing i've been really blessed with is while working maybe on some of these really big expensive projects they're all really really great professional friendly polite people yeah so that's that's a great like to set the tone or set the table when you're starting your career like that's, that's huge huge i mean it, it, you feel it you feel mm -hmm. that vibe i think i told you yeah. that the first time i was here when you're here in this office that mm -hmm. we all know it comes from the top down you right. know and so you yeah. attract like mm -hmm. and it speaks volumes to the kinds of people that him and katie must be yeah based on the people that they surround themselves with and i yeah. think that's wonderful it's, and look this is this is, can be a crazy industry and you know i think like you said there can maybe be some not so great people but I do believe that there's actually a lot of really great people out there and I think it's that's worth fighting for. Yeah. And I think, you know, I have said this to some of our interns that, you know, don't don't ever accept, you know, being mistreated. Like there's really great people out there and they're also really talented and just fight to find those people and work as hard as you can for them. Yeah, I think it takes time mm -hmm. to go through the muck of the people and find the right people. Right. And sometimes some people get stuck in those mm -hmm. outer ring rungs of the kinds of people that yeah. are not the best. Yeah. Um, and that breeds breeds like, you know, mm -hmm. and so you create more of that yeah. sort of disease, if you yeah. will, yeah. of people who are broken or hurt or whatever they're up against in their lives that causes them to right. operate from a place of fear. Because that's what sure. I think it is. You know, totally. And I always say this, that I don't think who you are in your personal private life is mutually exclusive from who you are in your professional life, not mm -hmm. in this business. Yeah. I think that's important. I think too, sometimes you notice, you know, people can maybe misbehave or not be so kind out of fear, I think you're right. And, or because maybe they're really insecure and are afraid to admit that maybe they don't know how to do something. Right. And I think that, you know, as a producer is important that, you know, look, we're not going to know how to do everything, you know, and if you're a director that's coming in and you don't know visual effects or you don't like, that's okay. Like we will, we will build the team and the support around that to make sure that you can deliver what you want i think it's really okay for all of us i think one of the reasons you know i had the support that i had to uh, grow and take the steps in my career is i feel like i was super open and honest about what i did know and what i didn't know and i didn't hide away from not knowing something i was like you know hello whatever crew member let's do your deal but can you tell me what all this equipment is? Cause I really actually don't know it, <laughs> you know? And I think I found that people appreciated that and they were more honest with me and they'd have a conversation and 
you know, as when you're managing budgets or schedules and they're, you know, they're a part of it with you. I think that really helped in my learning and growing and, you know, accelerating because I had the crew was with me. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that they felt like I was some big bad boss coming in to tell them no all the time. Right. Like, and look, you're going to have to, you know, sometimes have hard conversations and we're not always going to have all the money, but it's always a conversation. Back to this earlier point of tact. Mm-hmm. I think everything in life is all about how you deliver the information right. and the way you choose to communicate whatever exactly. it is that you have to say. Yep. And that having the tact and the finesse for knowing what to lean into exactly. and what is going to give you the most effective result that is, I think, the finesse of a producer. Right. The the non-hard skills that you can't really learn. It just mm-hmm. comes with life experience and understanding human emotion and understanding right. the psychology of people, right? Yep. And how to talk totally. to different people. So, yeah. yeah. Communication. It's Communication. Key. It's all the things. That's, that's yep. your podcast theme is communication. Communication. <laughs> um, but so in that vein, I'm curious, how do you and how does the team here find the stamina to have so many of these massive, huge projects mm-hmm. going on at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, I think, well, one, I think we're, you know, you know, we're proud and passionate about the projects that we're doing. So I think that that helps because we're excited to be telling those stories. Yeah, look, it's it's busy. It's a lot. I think that's what this industry is. And, you know, us saying we're so busy is, you know, everybody's saying that right now. Right. There's a lot of content being made. But I think fundamentally, you know, the way we get through it is we rely on each other. We trust each other. We communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. And then we also, you know, implement that with, you know, our crews that we have working for us or our studio partners or the network or all the people that are involved, you know, we, we put some trust in them and they put some trust in us and, you know, we're not trying to do everything. We're, we're doing what we know we know how to do and we expect the people that are going to be making projects with us to do the same. Yeah. And that's the case usually. Good, good, good. Thank you. So of all the projects that, you have been a part of mm-hmm. which one are you most proud of um that's like a hard question i think it's hard to like pick one and say where you're the most proud of but i think with every project i've learned something whether it's something about myself or about the world i think the first movie that pops to my head right now is probably mission impossible 4 I mean, that was massive. I was getting dropped into countries I had never been to before to like set up the infrastructure. And it was really intense. It was really great. But I remember, man, I was like a rock star flying all over the world and, you know, (laughs) going like, where am I? Like, you know, what time is it? Yeah. We pulled off some really great logistical, you know, stunts of, you know, Tom being outside the Burj Khalifa and we shot uh, the Kremlin in Russia. And, you know, God, we were all, it was so long ago, the fact that I remember all of this. <laughs> um, 
And that was my first like big international project where I was just all over the place. Yeah. You know, I was shot I was in India for a little bit and that is amazing place but intense to shoot. Yeah. Um and we were doing car chases and we it was in the middle of the night and um all the things. All the th- like all <laughs> the like things you hear like it all happened <laughs> on that project. So, um I think that I'm just proud of like just the that I did it. That you pulled it off. <laughs> that, I, that I made it. You survived. survived. Yeah. And then I think, you know, obviously Force Awakens was its own thing that was really exciting to be a part of. And yes, it was massive and, you know, hard work, but I think it was really fun. Fun to be a part of kind of like the kickoff to what the this whole world was and is and living in London was great experience. So I think those are probably like the two like probably had the biggest impact on my life. Yeah. But they all they all do. I think it's I walk away from every project going wow, there were moments where I didn't know if we were going to pull this off and then we do and you know when you're in it and you're like this is so hard. <laughs> You quickly get to the end and go, eh, I wasn't so bad. I'll do it again. Yeah. Well, in those moments where you're like, this is so hard, or how are we going to pull this off? What is it that personally keeps you going? Personally, like, like what do I do in my spare time? Or like, you know, if not, not so much now that you're in house, but when you were freelancing and you're having those 16 hour days where you're in India and you don't have your the comfort of things that make you happy at yeah. the end of the day and you're just like okay we just we have another 47 days of this you know like what is the thing yeah. that for you just keeps you motivated I think fundamentally great people I think if I didn't like the people I was working with I would have been like I'm out like this is not worth it to me so you know I've you know, I said it before, like, I've been super blessed to work on these projects with people that are just good people and, you know, want to be as helpful as possible. And like, they're just nice people to hang out with. So it's like, I think when you're on the road or wherever you are, and especially with the hours that we put in, you can sometimes lose touch of what's going on in the real world. Yeah. And, you know, these people and essence kind of become your family because you're with them for so long so i think that is why i was able to do it and do it for as long as i did and probably back to back to back you know the one lesson i learned quickly was you know was between like my husband and i and how how we were gonna navigate this industry because i'm on the road so much at a certain point i remember he was like (laughs) I know it's fun and all, but we are married and, you know, I'd like to see you occasionally. <laughs> and is he in the business? He's not in the okay. business. He He's a photographer. So it's kind of similar, but it he wasn't traveling in yeah. the ways that I was. And I remember before I did Star Wars, I did a movie for Paramount called Jack Ryan. And I was in London prior to Force Awakens. I remember coming home after wrapping that. And that's when he was like, okay, what's next? And at the time, I didn't know 
I think I was like, Star Wars could be the next thing. It means I'd go back to London for, at that time, it was probably like another six months. Hmm. And that's when he was like, okay, we're going to have the honest conversation. (laughs) And I'm glad that he did because he was like, as you know, you can get sucked into that world and you're just like living it every day and you're go, go, go. And like everything outside that world can kind of disappear. Yeah. I remember kind of being rocked a little bit of like, oh, hold on. Like, let's take a step back. Because I have to remember, too, I was working like back to back to back. So I was like wrapping a show on a Friday and starting a new one on a Monday. Crazy person. I know. (laughs) Oh, my God. And I think I did that for like five years straight. So when he like put the the pause on me and said, you know, how are we going to do this? Because if you keep doing it the way you're doing it, like, I ain't staying around. And I was like, oh, okay. Burn. Burn. (laughs) So ultimately what we figured out is, you know, when seven happened, we decided like, okay, you're going to come with me. We're going to try this. We're going to, you know, you're going to leave your job. At the time, we didn't have a house, so we put all of our stuff in storage. Hmm. And yeah, we moved to London and we like settled there. And it was so great to the point where I'm like, how did I like do all these projects without you? Like, there was just such a nice rhythm to like be working so hard and the hours you have, but then you come home and like, oh, your family's here. That was a a, a moment where I was like, okay, work life balance that has mm. meaning to me. Like, I now get like why this is important i think that was like the start of us being like okay we've figured out what this how we're gonna do this and i think especially being a female and me working and him not working like we were navigating like what that Mm, meant that dynamic that dynamic and what people maybe thought of it i think that was a moment where in our relationship me i really understood and like held firm to like this is a partnership mm. and every partnership has to do what works for both of them. And this is what works for us. Yeah. And if people have an issue with it, that's their problem. Screw them. <laughs> yeah. Right. And like, it was a really like, like I'm really like proud that we went through that. Cause I think we, it made our relationship stronger of like, no, no, actually you can have your opinion, but this is how we do it. Mm. And I think if I hadn't come in-house and was freelance, like, we would have just figured out that rhythm. We left that project going, this is how we are going to live life. So do you think that before that experience, did you just not have maybe the awareness or the value towards that work-life balance since Mm -hmm. you were going so hard for five years? Or were you just like a workaholic and just so immersed because the opportunities were coming and feeling like, oh, I just want to have uh, more to my life than just my professional identity? Right. I think probably yes to all of that. (laughs) I think um, there was probably a level of workaholic, yes, just wanting to go, go. I think one, when you work the hours that we do and like you have to kind of condition yourself to it. It's 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 not normal. Yeah. And, you know, I liked it. So like it was it was it kept me engaged. And so I like I thrived off of that. There was also probably a bit of like I need to keep going because if I 
take a break like I don't want to have a setback I want to like I want to keep accelerating I want to keep climbing the ladder or you know taking the next step and I was you know truth be told probably a little nervous that if I didn't take a job was that gonna just set me back yeah and looking back reflecting now I you know I would have been fine but I think I've just matured and you know I think the big draw of like coming in house and maybe not being on the road like I've grown up in like what is important and knowing like look if I don't take a job right away like everything's gonna be okay like yeah I'm not never gonna work again I'll I'll figure it out do you feel that your professional identity defines who you are um I don't think it does anymore Mm. I think when I was in the freelance world and working back to back and all over the world that probably was a big part of my identity like I'd come back and see family or friends and they'd always be like oh where are you these days like what crazy country are you in like so I was very like by my peers and family known of like that's what she does Mm. I think the gypsy the gypsy yeah I think now I probably value the work-life balance more. I don't identify myself of just this yeah. industry. So what's the other side of Corey like? What does she What does she do? I can't tell you. When she's not, she's not being a badass. Yeah. Look, I think it's spending time with, you know, family, friends, you know, taking time for yourself to be out in, in the world, experiencing the world. I think, you know, and I think we've talked about this in the past of like, you can go into that black hole on a project and like come out and be like, wait, what's happening in the world? Yeah. Um, it's kind of terrifying. How, it is. How all consuming it is, especially when you are the person running a production and exactly. you are. So focus on the micro, like we were saying, like you, it requires that much of you. Yeah. It's like you blink and six months have passed and you haven't bought toilet paper. Yeah. You have missed birthdays. You've gained weight. Friends like, have kids. You're like, you're wait, like, what? What happened? Like, it's it's wild yeah and and i i find it a little um terrifying honestly because sometimes i feel like am i blinking and six months of my life has passed and i haven't felt it you know and and yes you're gaining all of this amazing stuff on like the professional side yeah but what are you missing right like there's always that opportunity cost what are the moments with your family that you don't get to be there for? Exactly. What are the other parts of your life that you're not present for? Yeah. Because you physically can't. You don't have that bandwidth. Yeah. And I think as I get older too, it's that the prioritizing of what I want my life to be as a person who still wants to be in this career path and loves what I do, but I don't want this to be all I have exactly and all I am and all that's my legacy is just like well she worked herself to the ground right and always came in under budget it's like mm-hmm. I want more to my life than that yeah. you know and I think to your point it takes that maturity mm-hmm. when you go hard for so long because I feel like like a kinship to everything you're saying yeah in the in my 20s and just going so hard because mm-hmm. I I didn't have a set track like sort of like you did I just had to hustle and climb my way through through the trenches into the opportunities to get to the place that I am today and that's it's not lost on me but Mm -hmm. I just feel tired and I want to like nap (laughs) I know (laughs) napping is so important yeah Yeah. no I think it's you know I think that's probably maturity um adulting adulting to adulting um (laughs) but it's just it's valuing the people that are 
in your life. So, you know, the family, the friends, but then also I think valuing the people that you work with. Going back to what we were talking about earlier, like life is too short to work with people that aren't nice. And I just really think that's worth fighting for. If it means not taking a job because it's with people that aren't good people, then don't take the job. Yeah. They're out there and you'll find them. Yeah. And then you'll want to work really hard for them and they'll work really hard for you. Yeah. I love yeah. it. <laughs> this may be a silly question, but okay. is there anything to be said about what's it like to be a woman working in the sci-fi space or is that a non-applicable conversation topic? I feel like it's probably changing. I feel comfortable in the sci-fi space because it's, you know, what I was trained on. I think there sure are probably a lot of women that want to be in the sci-fi space and are fighting to get into it. All women in general are like, we're fighting to get into all the spaces. So I think, yes, it's a worthy conversation to have. And I think it's important to, as producers, like we said, when we are setting that table, when we look around that table, are we well represented? Yeah. Is everyone well represented? And if there's not, are we asking the questions of why not? And Mm. who else is out there? Let's dig a little deeper. I mean, do you feel like with everything that's been happening more publicly the past few years with women in our business, but women as a whole, mm-hmm. do you, have you seen those shifts inside internally for you and in the rooms think, that you're in? Yeah, for sure. I think it's definitely a conversation more so. And I think that's important. I think, yes, it's, it's a moment. I don't really like to use that term because I don't want it to be a moment. I want it to just be how it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I have a responsibility as a person in a leadership position and as a producer to make sure those conversations are being had at every level in front of the camera to behind the camera to interns to PAs to HODs that those conversations are happening. I think more and more they are, but I'm more than happy to make sure that they continue to happen. Yeah. What are some misconceptions you think people have about producers and then of, Mm -hmm. of, a person who is in-house. <laughs> Misconceptions. Um, probably, you know, we don't always say no. <laughs> I think producers are generally, or at least I feel, you know, reasonable people, which is why I think conversation is important. Like mm-hmm. talking it out is important. Um, asking questions is important on both sides, you know, on the producer side and on your crew side. That's probably what I would yeah say yeah, I wasn't that. sure if there was I mean I hear a lot of the misconceptions with some of the people I've interviewed that are generally from like the crew perspective of mm-hmm. what people perceive a producer to be or not sure. to be or the line producer but I was curious if since you deal so much with studios and these this bigger worlds that I'm yeah. not privy to if you also felt like there were misconceptions that even people at the top have because they don't understand yeah sure <laughs> I think in any forum there will always be those people that question what you're doing. Um, my res- response to people like, you know, I try not to have an ego. I'll prove myself, you know, just by getting the job done and I don't need to scream and shout and have you, you know, respect me because I'm a producer. I mean, I, of course I want to be respected, but I want to be respected because 
I know what I'm talking about or I'm I'm leading the best way possible. Yeah. But sure. I definitely have been challenged by crews or at the studio level of, with kind of that tone of like, do you know what you're doing? Mm. You know, hmm. do you have the experience? I and, do know that tone yeah. <laughs> very well. And that's like, I'm not the person to scream and yell or whatnot, but I speak as much truth as I can and, yeah. and you know, answer the questions. So have you ever been impacted by the infamous imposter syndrome that everybody talks about? <laughs> uh, like have people accuse me of imposter have syndrome? You fe- no, have you felt it? I'm always curious in what it is that keeps people going when they're in those moments, just because of my own process, really. It's more of like a selfish question. So I just love learning how in those moments where things aren't all peachy, how do you get to that other side? Sure. I think as as most people, I mean, there's always those moments where like internally you're going, can I do this? I think I can do it, but you know, what if I can't do it? Like, and you start questioning and maybe your confidence starts to fall a little bit. I think when I have those moments, I think one, I try and be as positive as possible Two, deep breathing is a great mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think it's honesty. Like I just really fall back to that of like, it's okay to be nervous. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to not know everything. It's better to like own that than Mm. to like walk into a room and like pretend like you know what you're doing. I get more respect from people when I'm just as honest as possible going, oh, you know, I've never done that. How do we do that? Mm. What do you think? Like, and get people in the conversation with you kind of gets me through that moment of like going, it's okay that I don't know everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to be okay with that. I love that. Yeah. I, th- I mean, I think you nailed it. I think that's that's the right answer. Not that there is one, but that's what I thought you'd say. Okay. Um, you. There's a lot of changes happening here at Bad Robot. We may have seen in the media that Warner Media is going to be the new partner going forward. So I'm curious in this new chapter that you guys are about to enter, just what you're most excited about. Let's see. I think the industry right now with the amount of storytelling that's being told, it's a lot. And that's exciting. And I think it's exciting to be at a place that gets to participate in that and, you know, tell great stories and get them out to the world at, on whatever platform that makes sense. I think personally for me and, you know, my department, I'm excited to grow a little bit to help support the projects that we're making in, I think, what is a really unique way of having this team that can really be a place for, you know, whether it's showrunners or writers or directors, come to Bad Robot to figure it out, to explore, to test or try and have it be that safe space that helps them tell the best story they can and be that SWAT team or that kind of cool toolbox that they can (laughs) enter and actually create things yeah so in the the one log line i guess that's what i'm excited about because i think that is a unique perspective and how you approach storytelling and what i really love is being being there from the get-go to i guess just really be the safe space it's like 
try. And if you mess up or if it doesn't work, it's okay. Your secrets are safe with us, per se. Yeah. As it gets figured out and stories are ready to go out into the world to be to be a part of that is exciting and knowing that we helped facilitate that. Would you say then then that's what you love most about producing in your job? A hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. I think I love the problem solving. I love like I said before, I love that every every project's different. Even if you're telling the same story in a different, you know, time or what like how you approach that is always gonna be different. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes it fun. Yeah. For me. What about any cons? Is there anything that you're like, this comes with the territory. You just got to handle it. Yeah. I mean, such is life, right? Like, it's there's going to be challenging moments. There's going to be moments when you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. But like, you got to like power through and, you know. Yeah. How do you power through? How do you power through? Tell me your secret. I want to (laughs) know. I don't know if I have, you know, a secret. I think, look, I. I'm willing to work really hard and I will give it my all. Going back to what we talked about earlier, just like the work-life balance, I really evaluate that. Like, as you know, like I could, you can, you could do this nonstop, but like reminding yourself, like it's time to go home, like time to you make sure you get enough sleep, um, go out to dinner. Everyone's like engaged with your loved ones. Like, yeah. Have conversations about the world and what's going on in the world. Don't just get sucked into the stories we're telling and only talk about that. I think yeah. it's important to, you know, read the newspaper, or, you know, watch the news, like hear hear other people's stories because they're important. So a lot of dinners, a lot of naps. A lot of <laughs> naps. <laughs> I love naps. Um, huge fan of naps, Lady, ladies of and germs. Naps. Yeah. <laughs> Every company should have napping pods. Oh my God, I would thousand percent agree so on the take time for yourself okay yeah take time for yourself so i guess that bleeds into the next question i i feel like this question gets asked a lot and i as a person who has been on the other side of hearing Mm -hmm. the answer i always feel somewhat like frustrated because i feel like you have the answer and you're just not telling me (laughs) okay what the answer is you know meaning like when when we hear somebody at a Q&A or whatever ask like what advice would you give for someone who wants to be in your shoes or walk a similar path everybody's path is different but mm-hmm. someone who's hearing your story and thinks okay like I want to you know walk as closely to that line as I think I can sure. what advice would you give to them I think for me when I again like go back and reflect on like the decisions that I made to get to where I am I think each time I like took a step in a different direction, I would say be open to walking through a door that just presented itself. When I look back early on, when I was like thinking I was going to go the AD route and Tommy made the random, like, you want to come join me here? Like, I think maybe a lot of people might have said no to that because you're going into the office and you're dealing with numbers and, you know, it's math and why would you leave set when you're like, that's where all the action is. Like there is something in me that said, I'm going to try this. So I would say that like, don't be afraid to like walk through that door, even if you don't fully know what it could lead to. But then to kind of counter that, I would also say you got to believe in yourself. 
If there's something that you want to do, believe you can do it. Visualize that you're going to do it. Think about the future and like where you want to be. Like make plans like that. Like I do that all the time of like, okay, what path am I on right now? Like where do I want to end up or you know, what what goals do I want to accomplish? Challenge yourself and then go after it. That would be my advice. That's really good advice. I mean, it's clearly working out for you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So you should start a visualization, a visualization seminar. Visualization seminar. Deep breathing, visualization. And naps. And naps. <laughs> well, this is the end of our time together, at least on it. mic. At least on mic. <laughs> on mic. We did it. We did it. Yes. So thank you so much. Thank this you. This means the world to me to yeah. sit and talk to you. It was fun. And get to hear your story and share it with the world, the people who will listen. And have a little more insight into this crazy world yeah. that we live in and work in. Awesome. So, thank yay. you. Thank you. Yay. And that's this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and doing this life thing with me week after week. So nice to know you're out there. If you don't already please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Give me a five-star review. Tell a friend, tag a friend, and hit me up. I'd love to hear what you think. I'm at Carolina Gropa. The show's at Life with Kaka. And I'll see you next week. Beijos. <laughs>